Ah, yes. I'm not saying it's Christmas, but this is one of the most wonderful times of the year. Craig, on the last podcast, we talked about Connor McDavid. Shoot the puck more. Shoot the... If you're going to have two games, one of which you called in Vancouver Wednesday, these were the two for our American friends. Are you kidding me? How did the Oilers give up that goal basically at 1958? And then McDavid in overtime, the offside challenge. I said to my buddies watching the game, the Oilers don't get two points tonight. They miss. Like, they, they got to get the two. They did get the two. McDavid, just when we were talking about everybody else, here comes Superman, and he was due, Craig. He was due to put the Oilers on his back and the S on his shirt. Boy, what what a game. What a night. Let's start with Edmonton and what Connor needed to do. It was go time and show time, and he delivered, Mr. Button. Well, he, he, he did deliver. You know what's amazing to me, Steve, is, is that when you look at Connor McDavid, you know, I keep looking at the scoring leaders in the National Hockey League, and I keep seeing McDavid and Dreisaitl at the top of the scoring lead. And yet, I keep hearing about, oh, boy, they got to do more. Like, just, just take one of them out of the lineup and ask yourself where that team would be. You know what I think? I think the Oilers are a poorly constructed team. I think they should be celebrating Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl every day. They should be, they should be laying down wreaths at the, at the altar of McDavid and, and, and Dreisaitl. That's how good they are. Let's talk about, listen, the, the Edmonton Oilers, they're in a, they're a, they're a fight for the playoffs. And, you know, but McDavid, like, again, so brilliant again last night. You know, Dreisaitl, the enthusiasm he played with. You know, bottom line is, these are great players. And, you know, this isn't doubles tennis or, 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 or mixed doubles curling, okay? You need a lot of players around you. I'll tell you what it struck me when I said this is a poorly constructed team. The game against Calgary on Monday because they just got shut down. And I looked, I go, this is poorly constructed. And, and you know what? Before they're a contender, uh, like when you can really look at them and go, they'll be a contender, it might be two years. That's, that's where they're at. And, and the bottom line is, I look at 97 and 29, I go, the, anybody criticizing them? I think it's misguided. I really do. I think it's absolutely misguided that you criticize those two guys. Without them, the Oilers are in Bakersfield. So really, if you talk about how important is, uh, you know, Eric Carlson to the Senators uh, when he played for the Senators, and we talked about our how important Jesus is to Catholicism, how important Igor Shosturkin is to the Rangers. <laughs> Without 97 and 29, the Oilers are in the American Hockey League. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, when when so you look true. at their, their bottom six last night, and every, like, right now, the goal and the honest play is just to get in the playoffs just to get in yeah losing six or seven or hope for a mini mirror look just get in and, and i get it but they're not better than dallas they're not better than nashville and if it's vegas three la is for real if they are two and calgary's one that automatic ticket the golden ticket right chocolate factory three gets you into the dance but then wild card you'll go all the central that's where they're at right now like it's exciting yesterday was exciting and it was a much needed win I'm with you on the construction because right now this is so top heavy with the two guys and Kane's helped and they do miss 93 and I get all that, but the game against Calgary Monday showed like nowhere near as good as the flames. The Kings have probably passed them on depth and everything else. Wait till Vegas gets healthy. So right now let's celebrate McDavid, the win TNT, the excitement Backstrom and everything else. Um, I don't know how Ovechkin missed. I don't know how Ovechkin missed. <laughs> but that's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. 
Um, and even the Capitals have a long way to go because it's not the Capitals of 20, you know, 18. And do we, do we go? Do we, do we wait? Like if you're Brian McClellan, he kind of said, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the foot off the gas. Is that the right thing to do from what you saw and where they are in the crease, Craig? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to do with the Capitals. Well, and, and it's a good question. It's a good debate, and Brian McClellan's having it with it. You know, when you hear Brad Trey living trades for Tyler Toffoli, and he says, I'm looking at my team. I want to. I, I felt it was time for me to do my job and strengthen it. I think Brian McClellan's doing the same thing and looking at his team, but he's not saying it's time to do to add something because the team hasn't given him that sense that, like, uh, you know, we know that he could do something to strengthen the team, but at what cost, right? And, and you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to start chasing your tail, you know, knowing that, like, our team isn't that strong? They win the cup in 2018, the, you, you know, a really, really deep, uh, well-organized team. But I don't see that with the Washington Capitals now. And I don't think Brian McClellan does either. And so, you know what they are? They're, they're a playoff team. They're good enough. They might win a round. And they might be, they might go out, uh, you know, real quick in the playoffs, you know, but I don't see them advancing. If they do advance in the playoffs, I don't see them going past the, past the second round. I think they're, if they get, if they get a playoff series win, that would be a real bonus. And I, I think, and the cost, like, great. Okay. So we want to add goaltender. I don't think it's just one thing. I, I think they're another team, you know, deeper down the lineup, you know, they have some, they don't have that depth. Where's Chandler Stevenson? You know, where's Chan? You know, they don't have those players that can really drive play. That's why Calgary's taking such a significant step forward. One other thing I'll say too, you know, in a seesaw Wednesday night, you know, Caps, uh, uh, Oilers, two games, and then Vancouver was almost put on notice. You better win tonight because Edmonton won, and they found a way to win in another real tight seesaw game that. Uh, how about JT Miller? Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. That JT oh, Miller. He's not getting traded. He's a, they're 21, eight and four. And we've had fun with this kind of like the price is right range fan, finder. Travis Green gets fired, 815 and change. Chances to make the playoffs, 3%. In comes Bruce, wins six in a row, 10%. Then, you know, they go through their issues, ups and downs, mostly ups, 15, 20%, 26%. At this very second, they're three points out of a playoff spot, three points, and they're at 33%. Now, if I'm sitting on the, on the hospital bed and the doctor says, good news, you were 3% chance to survive the operation. <laughs> You're up to 33% now. I'm like, okay, that's better, but that means 67% and I'm not going to make it. I get it. But now for Canuck fans, and you were in the building, they're feeling it. So things are better. They got JT Miller. Besser woke up a little bit. And what does that mean about staying or going? But what do we, what do we want to do? We want to be entertained, and we want our franchises to give us hope. The Canucks are entertaining, and almighty Bruce has given them hope. And it's not as if this was Montreal under Dominic Ducharme. This is under Martin St. Louis. So, you know, it was a good game. Miller had four points. I just like the way it's the old cliche of never giving up and give yourselves a chance. That's what Miller, that's what Quinn, who was good last night, Quinn Hughes, and, and, and Besser and Bruce have done. So if they miss, I get it. But right now, three points out, Craig, they've given themselves a chance. No question about it. And, and you're right. Like, you know, you think about it. I was, I was talking to John Garrett and uh, John Shorthouse, and I said, like, this is, this is a passionate hockey market. They love their Canucks. But when it was when they were stumbling, like they were they were angry and they didn't like it. 
and it's not like that now. I mean, they start off, there it is, Bruce. They're, like, I mean, it's so wonderful to hear, you know, the adulation they have for Bruce Boudreaux. Because it, it, what it is, is he has given the fan base reason to be happy, reason to be joyful. And, hey, listen, I, I know when it was whatever, 10%, 15%, 20%, going, well, geez, I'm not so sure I'm going to put a bet on them. But the team is in a, in a place. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what. That Thatcher Demko, he's one of the best three goaltenders in the National Hockey League this year. You know, we know where Shesterkin is. We know where Vasilevsky is. And and Freddie Anderson, people might say, what? So I put Freddie, one of the best four goaltenders there. Thatcher Demko is right there with those guys. He is he has been so good for this Vancouver Canucks team. I mean, he is a bona fide number one star. And we can't get on Benning for the Markstrom thing because he had two options. So oh, yeah, gave, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Like that, that's an old story anyway. And he he made an offer to Markstrom that was good enough to refuse. And if he took it, it's like, well, I got him a, as a as a deal. Or maybe he didn't want him, but didn't want to embarrass him. You've been in that position before, but we've passed that exit on the highway. When you've got another guy, then, you know, if, if they didn't have Demko, they would have given Markstrom whatever he wanted and, and term and everything. But they had Demko, so you can't, we can't get mad at the Canucks for that. So that, that worked no. out because they, they did have them. So um, Canucks at the trade deadline then, because we're kind of doing themes with, you know, we've done Edmonton enough. We did the way to win yesterday. Uh, Montreal's in another situation. We did the Capitals. So now what about Vancouver? They're, they're not trading JT Miller. Where are we with Besser? Do they, do they add now to get in or do they just ride the Bruce wave wherever 21, eight and four takes them now? Well, I think I, I don't think you have to be exactly in one place or, or, or another. I, I think that Jim Rutherford can sit back, Patrick Alvin can sit back and say, okay, well, what's out there? What are our options, right? Like, what is somebody, oh, I'll listen to Brock Besser. Why wouldn't you listen, right? But you better you better be making a, a bona fide offer. You better be making, and when I say bona fide, I'm, I'm not talking about something that's like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a prospect and, you know, hopefully it turns out for you, you know, we're helping you. I, I think that, honestly, I think the Vancouver Canucks potentially could have their cake and eat it too. Now, what, what do I mean by that? I think they can keep Besser. I think they can keep other players. Maybe added – they need a defenseman. That's what they need. They need a defenseman. And, you know, they need two defensemen if they want to be a really good team or a real good contender. But they, if they could add a defenseman this year at the, at the deadline, that would strengthen their team. But in the offseason, you don't think you can't trade Brock Besser in the offseason? Sure don't you think you can't trade. So that's your, you can have your cake and eat it too. So like your bottom line is they don't have to make any trades now, but if there's something that says, well, we, we, we better do this right now. This is too good to be true. Go ahead. But they'll be able to make trades for, for good players. And Brock Besser is a good player. And if you want to trade JT, all I know is this, you want to trade JT Miller, you better be making one hell of a deal because his contract is great. His play is great. And he, and, and, he, and he does everything in the game. You know where I think he'd be a great fit? Where? Ready for this? If I'm the Colorado Avalanche, I would try to do everything I could to get JT Miller right now. Because not only would I have JT Miller now to strengthen my team, he'd be the replacement for Kadri next year. Oh. Yeah, this year he could be on Kadri's left wing if you're Kadri and Miller, and then you keep the big boys together on the top line. Kadri leaves. Miller slides into the center spot. Bob's your uncle, and there you go. I mean, you could put him in the three-hole, <laughs> but I, I, he's so versatile. And really, of all guys that were really good, and we like, you know, there's tiers of players. 
he's played himself in the tier of a guy who's getting paid five and change. He's, he's playing like the guys that get eight and change. Like he's, he's, yep. he's elevated his game so much. And it's so exciting. This is a great time of the year, which naturally leads into staying in the Pacific and what's happening tonight in Western New York. And I've got some quotes show and tell Craig Jack Eichel says they toyed with me, the Buffalo Sabres in making the trade. And then he was asked if he is bitter and he gave the old Elaine Bennis answer. Nope, nope, bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Why would I be bitter? I'm not bitter. Why would I be bitter? Why would I be bitter? I'm not bitter. So here we are on the eve of Jack Eichel returning to Buffalo. He's been okay this year. Like he's been good. I had Dennis Bernstein on the show. He gave Jack Eichel an A minus. I said, you must have had easy professor. A minus. What do you have to do to get a, he's been pretty good. Like in the B's, but let's be realistic. Vegas is, they see Edmonton with the win last night. They look up at the Kings, but let's talk about Jack Eichel. How was he treated by the Sabres? Is this mutual that, that when you walk into a room and tell a manager, I want out, well, you don't want to work for the company anymore. You don't want to be, what are we supposed to do? Roll out the red carpet for you. Have you ever been in a spot like that? And where are we on? Like, is this going to be the Tavares returning to the island? Like, are the fans, is this going to be good for the Sabre fans to fill the building for the first time this year and to get angry about something? And maybe the anger should be directed at Jack. I, I'm intrigued because I don't know what's going to happen tonight, Craig. Um, but I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Well, well you know, it is, it, it is a game of intrigue, right? I mean, I mean, Fans haven't gone to the Buffalo Sabres games this year. I, they, they didn't go when Jack Eichel was playing for the Buffalo Sabres. I can't imagine they're going to fill the building now with, with Jack coming back. I like, You know, it's, it, it, it's an interesting storyline. But at the same time, you know, let, let's just go back to Jack. I, I, one of the quotes I read about, he goes, hey, their doctor felt that there was something that uh, I needed to do. I went to my doctor and I wanted to do what I, my, my doctor did. So, you know, we, we were at a standstill and he goes, I respect their decision. He goes, ultimately, I had to do what I thought was best for me. So, you know, was that, that, that was the end result. But, but I think that there was, uh, there, was a, there was a storm brewing. You know, there was a storm brewing before Jack got hurt. I think Jack, I mean, he's a competitor and he, was, he, he, he didn't like what was going on in Buffalo. Why would you? Why would you like what was going on in Buffalo? Year in, year out. You start the year and by six weeks in, you're going, oh, this season's going nowhere, right? And I think, I think that that led to a lot of, on, on everybody's part. And then, then, you have the, then you have the standoff. And, and it was a standoff. Let, let, let's make, we can't call it any other thing. And the Sabres said, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Jack said, well, that's great. You keep waiting, I'm waiting and waiting. So, you know, bottom line is, is that, the, the Buffalo Sabres made a trade that uh, where they get a, they get, you know, Peyton Krebs is a good player. Peyton Krebs is a, is a real good player. They did what they felt they had to do. Jack felt like what he had to do. They wanted to, I mean, who's going to come to the game in, in Buffalo? 5,000 people to boo Jack Eichel? Okay. You know what? The Buffalo Sabres have bigger issues than worrying about Jack Eichel. You know, because it's 11 years now. It's 11 years. You know what somebody said to me yesterday? They said, poor Rick Jenrat. This is what he's had to call for the last 11 years. And you talk about excitement, Rick Jenrat brings the excitement to the, to the game. And he hasn't been able to call very much excitement in the last 11 years. That's a long, long, long playoff drought that is not ending anytime soon. At least they've got Eichel and then the Heritage Classic to get excited about the rest of the year. But really for Eichel, if you use John Elway as an example and then compare Eichel to, you've got, 
Eichel here in Buffalo, McDavid here in Edmonton, and then Matthews in Toronto. If not for two days, they would have been in the same draft, right? Because they're all basically 97. So it's just intriguing about right. the, their, their, their drafts and, and where they're at. For Eichel, this was a great way to John Elway and say, I'm not going to Indianapolis. I'm not, I'm not going. So he, the fact that they were so bad and then he had the health issues was almost <laughs> – it was almost the, ah, get out of jail. It kind of worked out. Now, whatever happens in Vegas, he's, it's a fresh start and everything else. But in a way, you know, if you're really, really bad and you say, I can't do this anymore, being middling, like the Oilers are like, I don't want to get back to McDavid too much, but don't you think McDavid wishes he signed a five-year deal? Yeah, because that would have put a lot of that. Imagine if he's coming into the last year of his contract at the end of the season. You don't think there wouldn't be enormous pressure on on the uh, Edmonton Oilers, I'll be straightforward with you. You know, Steve, Connor McDavid, uh, when, when the next hockey season begins, which is free agency day, whenever that day is, because it's usually July 1st, Connor McDavid has a full no-move clause. He has a full no-move. No It'll be interesting to see what type of, uh, uh, you know, he's got four years left, and I'm not suggesting, but all the, the cards, the cards will go into Connor McDavid's favor. And, what happens if he wakes up one day and says, you know what, this just isn't working for me. And when Today's we talk, a, yeah, when we talk about that, it, you know, Bob Stoffers get mad at us and we say, Bob, uh, this is seven years, you know, and I know Mario, you know, we're talking about Mario and how long it took and Sid was quicker and different players. It's one thing when you keep climbing, you know, the Islanders came in the league and they just kept getting better and they kept drafting. And, you know, we look at their draft and it was almost like they had the answer. It's, you know, they just, Al Arbor, six straight years, it just kept getting better. And you saw it even when they lost, it was, ah, oh, and then it exploded. This is like, this is a, a poorly built roller coaster. Like, oh, you should have probably got on this roller coaster. Wood's chipping off and people are losing their wallets and, this is not smooth or, or anything. And I see it on his face. Like he went through a mental slump. It was, he was done for a bit. Like he was, I think he was feeling it and he was, and, and I don't want to be just about Connor. Like I said, and, and Austin's in a different category. because He's so happy and playing with Mitch and everything else. Jack is happy. It worked out. Cause you know, and he'll live with tonight and whatever happens and everything else. I think at the end of the day, he was like, thank God I had to go through what I did because it got me out. Escape from Western New York, I call it. Escape from Western New York, Craig. I really do believe that. Well, I'll tell you what. Like, uh, you know, we talk about Ico coming back. He's in Vegas now, right? Like, you mean, and the Vegas one, they went in. They said, we're putting our chips in on Jack Eichel. So that's great. And we talk about Connor McDavid. He's going to hold a lot of good cards. He's going to hold a lot of good cards. <laughs> All right. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL. Brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book and Sports Interaction's website's going to blow up on this day. What a schedule on March the 10th. There are some great games and the big boys are all playing tonight, Craig. Who do you like? A big boy or a little boy this evening? Well, I'll tell you what. Like the, the Colorado Avalanche and Carolina Hurricane, I'll tell you how fast they play. They play so fast that they're going to play a 60-minute game in 50 minutes. <laughs> 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 they got all that speed going. I mean, you, you, your head, because it's going to be back and forth. I mean, what, I mean, you look at two top-notch teams that play at that pace, that play at that intensity, can it get any better? And look at what happened to the Colorado Avalanche, the Devils, the Devils, the Devils took them to the woodshed, didn't they? And put a lot of shots up. 
I'm going Carolina at home versus the Colorado Avalanche. But I think it'll be a terrific, fast-paced game. And two teams that need to rebound in Calgary, the Flames and the Lightning. The last game wasn't good for either one of them. But I'm going Flames at home. I love this. Unscripted, folks. I like Colorado, and I like Tampa Bay in two <laughs> very tight checking games. We're going mono mono. I like them because I like both teams in terms of Colorado and Tampa moving forward this season. This is a bet for now um, and a bet for the future. We're going head-to-head, and folks, it's a great card, as we say. And if you want to be a part of it and see who's right and who's wrong or make some money yourself, (laughs) check out all odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today like everybody else is, like my buddy Koob at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada's Sportsbook. The countdown to the deadline is on. Craig, you talk to people, you listen, you're all buddy-buddies with the uh, insiders. They come out with material each and every day. Sometimes it's this might, may, or could happen. And, you know, I know that too. It might, may, or could happen. A Ben Chirac could be in Colorado, could be in Toronto, could be in St. Louis. We've got to fold. That's one. And that was now a couple of weeks ago. What's next? Are we all waiting for the mathematical formula that says if I trade for you on March 21st, I can fit you in the cap by going through Ottawa or Montreal or Arizona or whatever? Are we literally down to just the math that they're at the post, they're off, and then the stallions will be moved on the 21st? Is that what we're waiting on now? I'll be honest with you. Did the show yesterday. You know what I heard? Crickets. We had, you know what the news of the day was? The Order of Canada. Like, it was quiet. Are we about to break the silence? Do we have to wait for mathematics? I think the math already works, Steve. You know, yeah. I think that, yeah, I do. Well, I mean, the teams that have cap space, if you're going to, if you're going to use a, a team as an intermediary, you know, Ron Francis in Seattle has talked all along. Cap space was something that he, he felt was incredibly valuable and he wanted to keep it. Well, he's got cap space now. He's a player in here. Ottawa's a player in here. Arizona's a player. So, like, a week isn't going to make a big difference for, for, for Ben Chirot. And I'm just using Ben as, as an example. So, like, what, what's in my view, what's happening is, and this is where, let's just talk about Ben. What's happening is, is Kent Hughes is saying, this is my price. You want to pay? And now he's working it. Now he's massaging it. He's massaging the, the he's working the art of the deal. He's going, he, he, he knows what, he knows what some of the offers are. Now he's trying to ratchet it up. Right. Like, so he, he's trying to get more. So I think it's uh, that teams would like to make a trade now, but you, you need your partner to say yes as well. Right. And I think, I think right now we keep hearing, well, you know, like he's not, what, what do you hear, Steve? There's two things you hear. Well, you know what? They haven't met the, the price. And the other teams, and then other teams, are, he's asking for too much, right? right? <laughs> so depending on what side of the question. So that's, that's what's happening, right? And that's, the, that's what we don't know. You know, when we talk about the deal, that's what we don't know. But that's what I think is happening. The math on the contracts works now. Because if you're going to use a third party, it's all there to be used. So is Sherratt the one you're most excited about? Is it Claude Giroud? Does Claude have to play career game 1000 as a flyer? and then go and you know what what's realistic here for all these guys at the at the higher end of demand is it all a first round 
did somebody else set the market, whether it's to Foley or last year, is everybody a first round pick, which is a low first round pick. So I would make that as a manager. If I'm getting Claude Giroux or Ben Sherratt, uh, Miller, we've taken Miller off the board, let's say. Chikrin, you know, if it, it is Jacob Chikrin, he is available. So it's a first round pick. And then it's a prospect. Is that an A? Is that a B? Is it then a third round pick? Are these two and three tiered trades? Like like Ben Sherratt, first round pick and a prospect that I think is a, was a four, former first round pick. Is that enough? Is that too much? Would you make that trade? Do some teams have to make that trade because they're pot committed, Craig? Well, I mean, well, I think you, you committed. Like, what can you do to maximize your team right now? I mean, bottom line is, it's like, let's just, I'm going to throw Colorado out there. So you're going to trade the 29th pick. If you, if you don't get to the Stanley Cup final, you're going to trade the 31st or 32nd pick. If you do get the, like, give me a break. Like, you know what? Like, bottom line is, is that player is not, like, you're trading that first round pick. If you're the New Jersey Devils, you're not trading a first round pick for, for Ben Sherrod. But like, let's let's understand, you know, what a first round pick is. You know, I, I was reading something the other day. I, I, I forget what it was. And, you know, you're talking about a player. They were talking about Lawson Krause. I think Lawson Krause would be a great addition to any team that's serious about, you know, going deep in the playoff. Big, strong, great contract. Right. You know, and then I said it last year. I thought he'd be a great fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know. Some people laughed at me, but that's okay. I'm, 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 I'm comfortable being laughed at. But, you know, understanding what a player adds and what his contract adds, right? Like, you know, so to me, like, so somebody would say, well, Lawson Krause hasn't lived up to the billing of the 11th overall pick or whatever he was. Now, what are you talking about? I, if you get a regular player in the, in the draft from seven on, okay, in the first round, you're doing really well. A regular, a regular NHL player. Go look at the history of the draft. Like, a regular NHL player is a great coming. I'm not talking top five or top top six or whatever. I'm talking like after that. So 29th pick, 28th pick, 32nd pick. Give me a break. You trade it in a second. I think that's where uh, Kent Hughes is going. I, I need more than that. So he got the first round pick from Calgary, but he wanted Henneman, right? So now he gets Henneman, the B prospect. Now understand, B prospect for me is somebody that I think can play in the National Hockey League. Might be a little further away, right? You're not getting an A prospect for Ben Sherrod, just not. You you brought up, a, I think, a, a, a great example: former first round draft pick that might not be working out in the place that he's at. Yeah, I'm a Lost in Crouch fan. He's been on the show. He's great. He talked about he got a cheap Cherokee with his first bonus, then he upgraded his car. Uh, he would be. I mean, you use Toronto as an example. If it was last year and this year, if it's Kraus, Spezza, Simmons, and he's on your fourth line, that's that's really good. And he can play. Like we, we always talk about where can we get big men? Cause there's no more big men that can play. And then a guy's available and then he can maybe go to the third spot, depending on what you do with Kerfoot and everything else. And it's, uh, I'm just using that as an example, cause you brought him up and we like him as a person and as a player, I, he's playing his best hockey of his career right now. So, you know what he was doing in Arizona before let's look at what he's doing in Arizona now as an example. So that's intriguing. Take me inside and the listeners, the situation room, of the night before say march 20th you're set up in calgary or toronto or wherever and you know there's outside noise i'm sure you got the you know the president yeah yeah get out of here like yeah (laughs) we know like we all have somebody you know uh, bruce and i and we love him it's peter it's like keep up the good work remember anthony's a at the score hey guys yeah i know we know we're (laughs) 
Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's let's do our thing. And then if at 242, Craig haven't made a trade yet. Yeah, we almost had JC Miller, and then the Avalanche came in, they threw in Sackick and Juan. We like get out of here. So about the realism of the pressure and a, a point where you're like, I'm not making that trade for that. Like, I got a good trade here for the club that we don't know about because everyone just thinks everyone can do whatever they want in hockey, but there's pressure from above, pressure from below, and the fans. So get us in the room and tell us what it's really like, depending if you're the cup contender, you want to get there, or the teams who are dumping. Everyone has different pressures. Yeah, well, they do, and and, and you make a good point that, that they come from all different spots, and you know uh, who are you trading? You know, how, you know how do you present that to your fan base? And you know the you know they're clamoring. They want to know if you're if you're a contender. What are we doing to get to to help our team? There's an interest and there's an excitement about you know what's happening around the trade deadline. Now, I will tell you this: you know, on the day of the trade deadline, what you're trying to do is is tie up loose ends. Like you, you really, you. I mean, there's trades that happen, and, and I'm when I mean by tying up loose ends, the work ha- has had to have been done. It had to have been done, and 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 everything has to be in order. And and really, what you're doing at that point in time, as you're waiting for a deal, you have your one, you have your first deal, you have your second deal. Believe it or not, you have your third deal, in terms of preference, right? Okay. And and you're trying to work because your second deal. You're trying to make sure you don't lose your second deal in case of losing your first deal. But the team you're dealing with on your second deal is also dangling that player somewhere else, right? So where are you? So so, so there's a moment of, uh, there's moments of that, like, okay, where are we at? Like, you know, as a manager, you're sitting there going, okay, Steve, uh, like, I, I know we talked a half hour ago and, uh, you know, we we're talking about it. You know, like there's like, what are you thinking? Like, what, what's your timeline? You're trying to press the timeline around, right? And then, you know, you hang up and he goes, well, I'll get back to you in a half an hour. Now you get a call from the second team, right? That you're trying to stay alive, right? But you know, it's a second deal. That manager might know it's your second deal. And he phones and goes, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, I got another team on the hook here. Like, you know, they made me a pretty good offer. You throw in a second round pick here, you got it, right? Now you're sitting there going like, <laughs> like and so there's this, there's this back and forth and, and trust me, everybody has a first, second, and third deal. The third deal is just, holy, oh, my Lord, look what just happened. Well, we got to take that guy. You're trading your six-round draft pick for, you know, a depth centerman, right? Like, that's <laughs> – like, you're looking for an upgrade, but that's what you're ending up getting. You're not, you're not getting – you're getting a, 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 an okay player. That's what you're getting at that point. But everybody has a first, second, and third. But that whole game be playing between the first and the second, your first choice, second choice. And quite honestly, Steve, sometimes you got to recognize that the first choice isn't going to happen. That you better recognize when you're being played and that you have no chance. And through the conversations, you you know who who's serious. You know who's being serious and everything. And so as an example, you know, somebody says, okay, we're trying to make a deal. You're trying to, you're, you're working on a deal. I, I think I told this story. I mean, if I haven't, I'll, I'll save it. But I was making a at the deadline. And then all of a sudden, the manager asked for, like, Jerome Ginla. It's like, thanks, bye. I'll, I'll go and uh, I'll move on next, right? I had a manager once asked for Robin Regeer. He would, I think he was offering me his 1967 pickup truck and, a, and an East Coast Hockey League player. Because he thought, like, like thanks, like, see you, bye, right? <laughs> like, is you, know, there, you, you, you get that. Like you, you realize real quick, 
bah, give me a break. Move on. I'm out. Right. Is there in the room? Is it 20 hardline phones? Do you say, Jimmy, get me Jimmy Rutherford. Susie, get me Lou Lamorello. Like, I got to make this one. Now I'm scared. I got to go to my third choice. And when I call Lou, we've agreed player A for a third round pick. And I got him. And I can't sound desperate. Lou, where are we at with this? Well, I got offered a second for this. And you don't have your second. And you're now you're there's a sense of panic. And it's now 247. Your, your first deal's done because they, they, they had you going along. You jump from number two right to number three. Um, is there anger among the managers? Like, what? Now you want a Ginla? Like, honestly, like, come, like, come on. You were, and, and you got to know, you know, friendships are on the line, but you got to win. Maybe they were stringing you along the whole time. Like, that's the kind of thing fans want to know what's going on because we're dealing now with 31 others and yourself. Like, this is a glorified game of Texas Hold'em. And we're not just dealing with, you know, the boys on a Saturday night, 10 bucks in, 10 players, 100 bucks to the winner here. We're talking about people's lives, family, livelihoods, futures of franchises on, you know, uh, you know what? I'll make a trade. Who'd you do? I traded this Hashik guy to Buffalo and how good he's going to like, there's trades that are made that change the course of hockey history, Craig. Well, there are. And what I'll tell you, this is, is like, you know, there's a respect among the managers. You're not, you're not friends at that point in time. You're polite, you're courteous, you're professional. You're not, you're not worried about, you're worried about what's doing best for your team. If you go in there worrying about friendships and and quite frankly, you got to tell some managers, go pound salt. Don't phone me. <laughs> like, you know what? You want to, you want to be serious about a deal. And and Steve, I'll be straightforward with you. I, I know in my years, you know, in management and then being a manager, right? I used to laugh at the, I used to wait for the last hour to hear all the desperate calls that would come in. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I used to chat, like that used to be the most fun of the day. Like what, 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 what are the desperate calls? Everybody chasing their tail, trying to get somebody honestly. And that happens to this day. Like, you know, it's, it's too funny. And you're well, Oh, look at all this backed up. Like, get your work done. Be when, when you, if you're getting into the last hour, like it better be the fine tuning. It better be like, you know, do I want, do I want detailing on my tires or can I do without detailing on my tires? If you're going in there to get the whole interior clean, washed, shampooed and everything, you got big problems. Okay. So, and again, you, you, you have a sense, if you don't have a sense of what's real and where you might be getting plagued, where they're trying to keep you alive to see what they can drive, tell you what, you're, you're not going to be able to make uh uh, very many deals, if many at all, and you're going to be the one left holding. And, and the managers are, are good. They're open. I don't, uh, you know, it used to be, you know, you'll hear some of the uh, older managers or managers that are no longer managers or long for a long time. It used to be different. They used to try to sell you on this and sell you on that, right? The knowledge and the information on the players, you know, in, in so many different areas, it, it's well known. You, no, nobody's trying, the odd person might try to pull the wool over your eyes not happening very much yeah i love it fans love that they always say what's it like in the situation room and everything else so we'll continue to get into that uh, as well before we get into final thoughts here uh just like a rapid fire uh you know we'll, we'll throw some players out and 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 what we do know and don't know or whatever uh claude Giroux, since we said yeah what's the best fit any gut feeling on on what's going to happen claude Giroux. i i don't have a gut i i, I said this wherever he goes he's going to make a team better I don't care. You know, I think that I've said this all the way through, Steve. I've said it for weeks now. 
Buzz Bill Guerin, I'm investigating because Bill Guerin's in a different spot next year with the with the with the with the dead cap money. So to me, I mean, but he you can put him anywhere, he'd be a good player. Yeah, yeah. I like him there too. Uh Minnesota. They did win the other night against Georgiev, not Shesterkin, three and eight in their last eleven games. Would you be in- interested in Alexander Georgiev? Could he be an answer either now or next year uh, as a number one? Do you believe in Georgiev as number one? No, I don't. I think he's. A, I think he's. A, I think he's a one B. You know, can he play some minutes? Can he give you some games? Yeah, but I don't think he's a. He's a bomb. So you know what? Like you, you can look at it two ways. You can say, okay, you believe he's number one, so you jump out and get him now. But. Uh, uh, I think you can get him in the summertime. Remember, he's one year. He's got one year left before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So there's a there's another dynamic there coming off a season where you know the, he hasn't been very good. And bottom line is, is no, I don't believe in him as a number one. Yeah, I don't. If I could get him, if I had a younger flurry, and if I get Georgiev at the right price, I would try to, you know, sixty games twenty, yeah. and then see if that could work. And if he develops better at twenty seven, you know, I I wouldn't like you say I wouldn't start with no. But if I'm saying I'm putting, I'm attaching my, you know, it's different signing Curtis Joseph as a free agent goalie and going, I know I got something. Uh, this is different. How does it play out? With so you? let me just finish with, let me just finish with Georgia too. Like the other thing is you don't know what other goaltenders are going to come on the market that, that are better than him. You don't know what else is going to come out there. So why do I want to pin myself here now on Georgia paying a price? Not, I just, this is where I'm at. I yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't be a guy I'd be pursuing with any type of earnest. How does it play out with Jake DeBrusque? Is this awkward in Boston, or does he have to stay now and play with the big boys? Well, I think the Boston Bruins have made it very clear to Jake DeBrusque. If we're trading you, it's on our terms. It's not on your terms. And I think that's very clear. And Jake DeBrusque has said, okay, fine, I better play. I better give you real good value, because that's the expectation. So I don't see Jake DeBrusque leaving. The three UFAs in Anaheim, your buddy Pat Verbeek. Is it going, going, gone, or does he keep Lindholm and trade Manson? And I think Ricard Raquel's all but done, and I could see him being a New York Ranger myself. I see Lindholm staying and the other two guys being traded because uh, I don't think uh, I don't think he's going to give term. I mean, Patty Verbeek has been very clear. He's not giving term out. Not giving, and I think that's what the holdup is there. So I would say that all his efforts, I mean, Lindholm's the best of the three and the, the guy he, he'd most likely like to keep. And I think that, you know, Josh would be attractive. I think Raquel would be attractive. I, I think they're, they're the two guys that move. We've talked about Ben Sherratt a lot. Where's his best fit? Who needs Ben Sherratt more than Ben Sherratt needs them? Jeez, Steve. Like, honestly, having watched Ben in the last week, uh, you know, up, up front and up close, he, there's, he, he's, he'll help you. He'll help you. And he can play the right side, you know, the left shot on the right side. You know, we saw what he did. Listen. Like he, he'd help the Florida Panthers. He, he'd, help, he'd help. Like he'd help any team in the league. Like any team in this league, he'd help. But I, I have to believe if you're a contender and you're looking, I'm talking about the top tier contenders, and you're looking at solidifying your blue line and adding that type of player. To me, the, the, he, he fits on all of those teams, all of them. The, the, the two guys that, that I find really intriguing, and I'm going to throw your way now. Okay, I get to throw this your way now. The Winnipeg Jets, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning on, on Tuesday night. Okay? They, they, they play pretty good. They're now going on the road. They're going to New Jersey. I don't think they're making the playoffs. What do you do with Brendan Dillon and Andrew Coe? Trade, trade. Trade, trade. And I think, 
And I think Brendan Dillon and Andrew Kopp would be outstanding additions to all those top contending teams too. So remember I talked about, so who's ever in on Sherrod as their first choice? You're trying to work Brendan Dillon in. And, and maybe you have Brendan Dillon as your first choice and you're trying to wait on Sherrod, right? Keep the, keep the, you know, keep the game going along. And Andrew Kopp, uh, like I think Andrew Kopp, uh, uh, you know, along with Claude Giroux, not, not after Claude Giroux, along with Claude Giroux, would be a great addition for any team out there. A great addition. I love doing this. We'll do that kind of rapid fire at the, uh, at the end before final thoughts and final thoughts are brought to you by ultimate hockey fans, not a person or a group of people, but a product go to ultimate hockey fans.com right now. Check out the merchandise, the lighting, the fixtures, the puck lights and everything else. Our buddy, Paul Cohen will take care of you. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount on this amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, we end with final thoughts. So I'm going to add to a Ben Sherratt in Colorado, second pair behind the best two defensemen together, McCarr and Taves, Sherratt and Eric Johnson. Bull Byram's getting healthier. I might be willing to use Samuel Girard to say to Montreal, oh, French defenseman, we open up money. It gives us an option next year with Kadri or not. It's $5 million. Samuel is great. I love him. I love him. Um, maybe doesn't play the big hockey in the playoffs. Um, he's an option. There's something there because we got to play the money game. And he's got some term. There might be something there. But Sherratt Johnson as a pillar four with Taves and McCarr, that's the direction I would go. Of course, if the money could work, it's easier to make a trade on a podcast or a radio show than it is in real. Only 3.5. Like, that's the thing about Sherratt. You're not getting the money of Giordano and Giroux. And we got 3.5, already three quarters through the season, everything else. That's what I would do. As if Joe Sackick needs my advice. That's my final thought, Mr. Button. Okay, so let me ask you this. I, I have a final thought that I'll turn it. I'm going to turn it over to you to let you finish it. So my I thought. Would teams be phoning Kent Hughes about Archery Lekkonen? And if you're and if you're Kent Hughes, is that a player you'd be moving? Yep. And I saw you guys in the broadcast last night about signing Yoel Armia. And our, so our Terry Lekkonen now is in play. And if you don't know him or like, how could he help me or whatever, then, you know, no offense. You're not in the elite category of saying yes. And all the other teams we've talked about, yes, yes, yes. Killing penalties, being a mucker, doing all this stuff that, and then I always say, well, if we like him so much, why are we trading? <laughs> you know, and then you got to go up against a whole. So Kent Hughes, Jeff Gortner are in a good spot for losers because they do have some assets um, and they're really not as bad as they are. Like they're, they're not, they're, they're better. They're better and they're going to be better next year. Prices skating again. They're going to have to make a decision. They're going to be better when Caulfield and Gallagher and Suzuki and the defense and what they do in goal and everything else. They'll be better than Detroit. I think they'll be like, they'll rebound back above those other and, and they'll be in the underbelly of like that. If I'm buying a stock on a team, that's going to be knocking on the door. I'm doing, I'm buying Montreal. Like you have to know when something is really worth what it's worth. And Montreal is way better than this, whether it's Marty or not. Um, that's the real truth. So they can springboard these players. So Craig, this was a lot of fun. We're talking about winning the Stanley cup. As I look over your right shoulder and Stanley parks behind you in Vancouver, <laughs> great job on the Canucks Habs game on Wednesday night. It was a, for two games. They gave us two beautiful chocolate chip cookies and we dumped them in the ice cream and ate them. That was a <laughs> lot of fun, Craig. 
It sure was. It sure was. I got to tell you, I mean, I was paying attention. We were waiting for our game to start. And you're trying to pay. You're trying to pay attention to the to the uh, to the to the Edmonton uh, Capitals game, and it was, you know, that that's the kind of intrigue it was. And so what? That's what the, that's what we want. That's what we want to have. So you know what? For this episode. Wait till next episode. We're not going to be with you next Monday. We're going to be with you next Tuesday, the 15th of March. We got some travel commitments, and that gives us another day for more news. For Steve Cooley, Craig Button, the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>